Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Have you been to a concert recently? I myself love going to concerts. The thrill of standing in a sea of people, the lights are colorful, and the excitement for your favorite artist to sing live is almost palpable around you. Experiencing live music can make you want to shout lyrics, cry together, or dance your heart out. But for a small group of people, it seems the allure to throw things, sometimes even punches, takes over them. All over the internet, videos of artists being hit with objects from an audience member have gone viral. Things like phones, water bottles, and bracelets can be seen ricocheting off singers sometimes causing them to stop the performance. With Lollapalooza around the corner, it got me thinking, is there a new wave of audience members who may not know concert etiquette? I'm your host for this episode, Arielle Ravenet, and today we are gonna talk with people in the music industry about where the line between enjoying a concert and letting the excitement get the best of you is drawn. Let's get looped in Chicago. How would you describe the role of a tour manager? I think of it very generally as a facilitator for a band. My first priority is always the artist, and then it's just whatever they need during their tour. It could just be a road manager where all the hotels are already booked. Someone has already talked to all the venues, and I just have all that information, and I'm taking the band from point A to point B, or sometimes I've done all that myself um, and even been involved in like budgeting and following up with the budget. Could include driving. (laughs) (laughs) So everything, yes, snacks, I suppose, whatever. Make sure they're fed, watered. <laughs> <laughs> that's sweet. That. And um, getting places on time. That's that's probably the best the summary right there. <laughs> Melissa Adams is a tour manager and sound engineer based in Chicago. She's seen it all on the road and also earned her stripes working at various venues around the area, like the House of Blues, the Cubby Bear, and Shubas. So I wanted to ask her about this recent rash of thrown objects and how she prepares or responds to them in her line of work. So with that in mind, because I know that genres of music really do affect or, you know, change the crowd or change how people like approach things. Mm -hmm. But there's been a recent uptick in items being thrown at artists and people performing while on stage, you know, whether that be just a friendship bracelet or, you know, like a water bottle and things like that. So I I have had experience with that. Um, This punk band, they're, they're Japanese, so they're they're used to a different kind of etiquette in general. I think the best way to say it is uh, they're used to more respectful crowds coming to like the US or UK. They're, they're like, wow, people are throwing stuff at us. I mean, they're used to people moshing and they want that, but um, we've had to actually put like signs up around the venue saying, 
hey, don't do that or be nice <laughs> to each other and us and let's enjoy the show. We've had people throw things at the stage and those people will get kicked out. People feel entitled to certain things or like just do what they want. And sometimes it's it gets a little crazy. Yeah, even at uh, kind of a smaller venue level, smaller bands, um, I've had that happen where people are a little unruly throwing things. I guess to kind of elaborate on that, like as the tour manager, what typically goes down, right? When this happens, like artist has been hit or something has been thrown. Is there something that y'all do in the moment? Or is it maybe they stop the show to make a comment? Like what typically happens after that? Right. So yeah, the bands act now that they almost not expect it, but like they, they want to be prepared if it does happen. Same thing with like, if they see someone collapse in the audience, they want to stop the show and address it. Um, if there's behavior or something happens that's not okay so in those instances they'll stop and the crowd at one show it was a full water bottle that someone had thrown the crowd ganged up on someone and was like it's this guy and the security comes in and kicks him out as a tour manager I have a security briefing before and kind of give them all these these things to maybe expect in that instance the the crowd ganged up on someone the security kicked them out and then it turns out it was the wrong person. No. Like just one person pointed the hand and like he was a friend of the venue. For me personally in that situation, I'm, I'm being also the sound engineer. I'm at the at the front of house. I'm at the soundboard. So I that's one of the limitations of doing both is why I can't always like zoom in to address every little thing. Um, but most of the times it's best to just like work with venue security and have them handle a lot of those things. That is interesting because I love punk music. I love a good mosh pit and whatnot. But I do think that it's interesting to know, like, what are the appropriate behaviors? Hair pulling, like going out of your way to hurt people. Like, what possesses somebody to do that in that moment? Do you think that, you know, people throwing things at the stage, people, you know, not necessarily knowing mosh culture. Do you think that's something that's always been just kind of a part of the music scene? Or is that something that you think has grown more recently? I think... It arose before my time, like being around in the 80s, punk bands were probably a li little different than today's. And as younger audiences become incorporated in that culture, it, I mean, everyone kind of needs to get educated as they come into it. And I think inherently it's known that everyone should just want to have fun. And yeah, I don't think anyone goes saying like, I want to, you know, beat someone up on purpose in a mosh pit maybe I don't know some people do but <laughs> I think people are a little more sensitive these days and like not wanting to get punched in the face so I think that's different than maybe older mosh pits they're a little less violent so as yeah as the years go on and new people are are in there I mean it, there has to be a constant like re-education. What's socially acceptable behavior at a concert may change over time but there is a through line of respect. I asked Melissa as a person who works and attends many concerts, what she thinks proper concert etiquette is. I mean, everyone experiences music differently. As someone who just wants kind of everyone to enjoy it and like have it be at their own thing, I don't think it's my place to say whatever one should experience on their own end. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think as a general bottom line, you shouldn't be harming anyone in any way. You shouldn't be hindering someone else's concert going experience you shouldn't be hindering an artist's performance and the, the, I mean they've 
like honed an art or are putting forward the kind of performance they want to do, like no one should get in anyone else's way. I'm not one of the people to say like, no, everyone should just be standing there and like jumping up and down in place. It, I, it might get a little more hectic, but I, I think there is a line where yeah, hair pulling or throwing heavy objects gets, it's a little carried away, but um, it's hard to draw like an exact fine line. Yeah. Um, for sure. There's like a great area naturally. And it, yeah, it's different, different intensities at different kinds of shows. So I, I guess it's reading the room a bit too. Like what's the vibe? If you're the only one moshing and thrashing, then, you know, don't try and bring anyone into that. Read the room, I guess too. Artists can experience violence from fans in person and online. Melissa told me about a band she managed where the lead vocalist was a woman who liked to crowd surf, sometimes in a dress. Videos on Instagram of her during her set were met with inappropriate comments and even flags from Instagram itself. People were making comments about like, oh, she's going to you know, get grabbed inappropriately or oh, she's going to get pregnant that way. It's just very weird oh reactions God. to that. And luckily we haven't had any kind of like assault while it does happen, but people threaten that online too. That's like really freaked me out and to the point even the band had their Instagram shut down multiple times when they post this too. So it's even like higher up companies are marking this as inappropriate. It's not like sexual in any way, <laughs> but because it's a woman crowd surfing or something like that, it, it's in the comments that, that it elicits. It was uh, very interesting and the band was not happy with all, all of that. Yeah, and no. she's just... You know, trying to have fun <laughs> that's a good point to bring up in all of this in this conversation too of like violence can also be like sexual or like sexual harassment yeah you know and that is like a new thing in the sense of like social media you know because 30 years ago like you could probably heavily sexualize a female artist like between friends or you know maybe even in a magazine but that is something that i appreciate you bringing that up and as an angle that is important to acknowledge of like just the the unsafety that could happen in the comments because artists are humans like i can see you sexually harassing me online it's going too far like i get that you find this person attractive or something right but it's like the whole point is the music and that is spooky men get touched all the time and even if they like come stand at the barricade i know people are like you no know, touching their crotch and that's yeah. not okay either yeah it's not just a woman thing it's just yeah violation of artists in general and I mean, that extends like having stalkers too. And that's an issue we've dealt with. It only takes one. It doesn't matter if it's a tiny artist or not. When you get to those more extreme people, the unpredictability can be pretty scary. Do you think it's just like parasocial relationships going too far? Yeah, for sure. You can encounter fans that are intense and they can be pretty cool and they know the boundaries and they buy a lot of merch and, and say hi and nod or don't even want to interact with the artist. But there are some people, like I mentioned before, that just feel entitled um, for some reason that because they, you know, love and support this band that they're entitled to like a conversation or a hug or or some kind of interaction that's that's not due. Have That's, you know, another thing on a tour manager, like it just seems unpredictable um, of what 
might happen. So, you know, take the safer route of being prepared. I just want a safe environment for everyone to have fun. And I want them to stress as as least as possible so they can deliver their music and the show they want to put forth. And I like to take that on and see that as my job <laughs> to yeah maintain the vibes, as you say. <laughs> so what is it all like from a band's perspective, especially one that tours the world and plays the hundreds, even thousands of people a night? When we come back, we'll find out with Nick Sanborn from the Grammy-nominated duo Sylvanesso, who are prepping for their performance for Lollapalooza this weekend. Stay tuned. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. My name is Nick Sanborn. I'm 40 years old and I live in Durham, North Carolina. Sylvanesso is a husband and wife electronic pop duo. They'll be playing Saturday at Lollapalooza. The couple has been performing for almost 10 years now. They've been nominated for a Grammy and even jammed with Questlove on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. This weekend will be the return to the Lala stage since 2015. And that's what's so, I think, interesting is each festival kind of has its own, its own vibe, you know, their, its own audience that it's, it's curating to. Well, also just the setting, you know, it's like you're right on the lake, right in the middle of, of town. I know that you, you've played Lala, you're playing Lala, and I'm, you've played in so many venues and, and different festivals, I'm sure. Do you like performing at one over the other or what's the differences between them for you? I mean, festivals just kind of give you a different thing in general, you know? I'd say it's less focused and somehow more of a party. I think the dynamic range of everything gets a little squashed, it, but not necessarily in a bad way, you know? It's just like everyone's outside and ready to have a good time. It's just a different, it's different from playing, you know, the Aragon or the Vic. And so during the last few years compared to past shows, have you noticed any shifts in concert slash like crowd etiquette? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like this, the whole rise of phones, obviously, is the main thing. But the weird part is I feel like that was so much more egregious when it first started. And now it feels kind of tame. <laughs> it's like totally fine now again. I think it's just as every generation kind of comes of concert going age, I think they add a new set of rules and what's what's acceptable and what's not acceptable to the lexicon. I think it's interesting that you mentioned like each different generation, because something that we were, you know, kind of looking at is, okay, so, you know, COVID restrictions are up and now there's like, you know, all these young adults or like older, you know, teenage people to where like they had, you know, three years without being able to go to concerts. And now here they are back at it. And so um, I'm curious if you've seen or experienced any negative crowd reactions, either while on stage or while you've attended to show on your own? We are lucky enough that, that that I don't think I've ever really had a thoroughly negative experience with our audience. Our audience tends to be extremely cool. I'm like so grateful for them. But at other shows, sure. I mean, I definitely feel like the rise of kind of the strange like parasocial relationship that some fans expect uh, or manufacture is is very 
foreign to me. Uh, and like, I, it makes me like, I don't understand the way that they get there. So that part I find to be alien to me, but luckily I feel like I am personally, and I, I would can probably speak for Amelia too, or shielded from kind of the most negative version of that. And at the end of the day, I mean, hopefully that rises from a desire to be closer to music, which as a, as a root cause is a, like a beautiful thing. And, uh, it's nice to know that like, that is the thing that can never die. While Nick has never had anything thrown at him, I asked, as an artist, what he would do in that situation. You're in this fragile position. And I mean both both of you, the audience and the performer. There's this like magic thing that you're doing together that is very delicate. And so while I understand how some of those kinds of things could happen through someone's like exuberance, and uh, excitement. I'm also kind of like, well, how do you really police that? I don't, I don't, it's, it's so tough. I would hate to react to something like that in a way that would ruin the moment for others. Should artists police the audience? Mm. And I think generally speaking, I am uh, not a fan of policing the audience. And I feel like the more you do it, the worse that relationship gets and the more things get, for example, thrown at you when you're on stage. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know where to go with that. I will say if somebody threw a water bottle at me, I would probably stop the show and have them kicked out. But I wish I like would love to instead think proactively about creating a relationship with the audience where that wasn't seen as something somebody would even think to do. There is something to be said about music genre, or like Melissa said, about reading the room. With certain types of music, an active audience where consensual pushing and shoving happens can be the norm and welcomed. But where is a line drawn when it comes to involving the artist? Nick speaks of an experience he had. Yeah, it's like, it's weird though, because I also like have such fond memories of going to like punk and hardcore shows and having that be like the only thing that happened all night. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. I remember going to see like uh, Call Me Lightning, who are an amazing band from Chicago, actually. Uh, and somebody whipped a full beer at the stage and Nathan Lilly, the lead singer, caught it, took a giant swig out of it and chucked it back into the audience. And like the place went insane, you know, <laughs> like it was. <laughs> no, that sounds absolutely incredible to witness. It was unbelievable. Uh, but but it's also like, like that's also not okay. I don't know. It's I hold both of these truths, you know. And that's kind of fun when like, yeah, you know, when you're at the punk show and the guy pours water on you, but would I want that at like a Harry Styles concert? Right. And that's the thing. I feel like at a punk show, a hallmark, I would say, of my experience at like punk and, home and hardcore shows was also the general sense of respecting each other that the audience shared, you know? And so maybe the possibility of injury and violence was offset by the knowledge that the only reason we all get to do this together is because we're all taking care of each other. Whereas at like a Harry Styles show, that is not part of the code in the same way. Like, you know what I mean, like, like not that people aren't taking care of each other, but the idea that somebody might get hit is like not part of the set of rules we've all agreed on. You know what I mean? When things like that happen, I think it's way more disruptive. With all that said, I asked Nick about a previous point he made. As an artist, how does he approach a relationship with the crowd that isn't reliant on a parasocial relationship but more of respect and mutual vibes. 
I think when the weird thing about being an artist is that you kind of slowly build this house and then you live in it over the course of years, you know? And so it's tough to really know on, on any one moment or any one choice how that's going to affect you and your relationship with the people who enjoy your work like over time. I think for us, we have been very intentional about the way that we present ourselves and the way we relate to our audience and the ways, especially that we, I think, downplay our own celebrity. I, I think that's a big part of it. I think like, like heightening the sense of uh, mysteriousness and celebrity, I think makes a lot of people crave that more intense relationship. And I personally don't want anything to do with that. So we kind of at every turn have made ourselves as accessible as possible. But I do feel like it's really, I think, taken some of the air out of the intensity balloon as far as our relationship with our fans. Um, so I think that's one thing. I think another thing is just that our music is kind of inherently personal. Luckily, nobody has taken that to, you know, so far, like uh, as an intense enough space to develop that more intense relationship that you see with, you know, other people in the moment. It's, it's a tough thing to put your finger on, you know? No, I think because that like, I sense. think about like friends of mine who, you know, have way more intense uh, interactions with their fans and in a way that I don't relate to at all and aren't necessarily that much bigger than we are. And it's, it's weird, especially now being like almost 10 years into being the band, to look back and try to figure out like why that happens to them and not to us and why we get to enjoy this career without that extra piece, at least at this point. And I think that it all kind of boils down to what we were kind of saying earlier about genres and how with music like y'all's, like it's, you know, it's almost like Mitski and stuff like that, you know, and it's, you feel seen and you feel like, at least like, I guess speaking from personal experience, listening to music like yours and in that genre, it's like, these are people who've experienced something I've experienced and that feels maybe perhaps like a little bit more like, oh, like this, these are just people. Right. But again, yeah. I feel like Mitski has to deal with a way crazier version of this than we do, you know? <laughs> yeah. And she's obviously <laughs> like bigger than we are. So that, that's part of it. But like, she has a totally different relationship with her fans than we do, which, which, and I don't feel like we make music that's all that different as far as like the way you relate to it. So it's really, it's such a strange one. One of the biggest conversations right now around fans and artists is about rapper Doja Cat. If you aren't familiar with the situation, some fans decided to call themselves kittens, similar to fans of Taylor Swift calling themselves Swifties or Barbies for Nicki Minaj. Doja Cat responded to this saying, essentially, you don't get to name yourselves. When fans heatedly responded with expectations that she should love them, Doja simply said, how can I love you when I don't know you personally? Nick spoke on this from his perspective as an artist. Everybody keeps talking about how it wasn't a cool thing for her to say, but counterpoint, it is fucked up to think that your favorite artist loves you, like in yeah. a real way. Like, what do we mean? Like, what do you even mean by saying that? Like, our fans are here and have this connection with us. Why is it crazy yeah. for Doja to just be like, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it's kind of intense that like, you guys all think I should love you personally. Like, I don't know you. Finally, somebody in the position of who looks like a bunch of people having a parasocial relationship with them just broke it down like a real person being like, yeah, no, it's cool. Like, I love that. Like, it's great that you guys like listen to my records and come to my shows. That's awesome. But like, 
I don't know you. We have never met. Like, I can't, so I can't be in love with you. No, yeah. Like, I'm not going to your wedding. Please don't invite me. (laughs) What's something you could tell fans and concert goers alike about what to do while attending a show? You know, if there's, if you can even say that. To me, the whole point of being there is that you have this private relationship with a song when you listen to it on your headphones or whatever. And the song makes you feel like seen and heard. And there's this moment between you and the artist in this private way where you understand that you're not the only one who's had this experience. And so that's like a magical, powerful thing. And then you get when you go to a concert, you get to see that like, not only is it just you and the artist, but it's all of these people coming together to have that moment at the same time. It's like the most we're not alone feeling anyone can have. And so because that's such a like sacred thing, I think the rules are what they always are when a sacred thing is happening, which is like, take care of each other, like make sure that everybody has what they need and make sure that you have what you need and like be respectful and then like fucking go for it. And so I guess, you know, why do you think music is so important to people? I mean, how do you answer it? Because it's the thing. It's the, it's the, the reason it exists dictates its own importance. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? It's, it's the, the missing piece of language that fills the gaps between words to more fully communicate an emotional moment between two people. It's the thing that makes you feel less alone. I mean, it's, it's, it fulfills the purpose of communication. It's the best thing. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to Looped in Chicago this week. You can stay subscribed to the program on the Odyssey app or wherever you listen. And be sure to follow us on social media at WBBM Podcast. I'm Ariel Ravenet, and we'll keep you looped in again right here next week. See you then. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.